All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you to everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Achebe's, ASU Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and obviously even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we've got the great man back again. The master of all things MXGP, Lorenzo Resta. How are you, mate? How's life? <laughs> I'm, I'm really, really good. Thank you. I hope everything is okay down under. Yeah, mate, everything's good. Uh, yeah, nice. It's just good. Life's good. I just had a chat with uh, Brent Van Donick with James, and um, he's he's looking forward to to Latvia. He obviously had a great GP in in France. Did really well, and yeah, it's been yeah. it's been an interesting weekend of racing. Obviously, uh, for me, obviously down in Australia, there was some. Some great action across across other races in Europe, but the AMA uh, Nationals kicked off, mate. Uh, pretty impressive weekend. It was great to see for the Aussies, Hunter and Jet Lawrence getting the win. Um, you tune in and uh, watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it was fantastic. Uh, uh, I mean, I, that was the best start of the season for Honda, like it was last year, approximately, because uh, different names. I mean, different winner in uh, in the 450 class with uh, Jet Lawrence. Uh, uh, taking this double victory that honestly says a lot about his potential. It's amazing the way he was riding because, yes, the first moto he got kind of gap that he was able to manage with, but second moto was so close till the end and he was able to stay cool and uh, and manage. You know, when behind you there's a, a guy like Chase Sexton who was winning so many motos in uh, in Pala as is his favorite track is I think the first place where he won uh, a 450 race and he won last year and uh, and I saw him riding there honestly he flies on the track is uh, is amazing to 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 look at but I cannot imagine what what Jet was doing because uh, coming so fresh from the 250 just switching on the 450 switching on motocross coming from supercross okay that's for but the same for, for everybody. But just being so performing, that is not common. And uh, we saw a lot last year in Red Bull, the, the nation, uh, while it was really good on the 450 already, but not dominating in this way. And uh, and that was astonishing because it was the quickest man all the Saturday, day, all day long. You know, it was fastest in the practice, first practice, second practice, fastest during the, the motos and first two times. That's nothing to say more. Uh, just to be happy that we're able to see someone like that out on the track because uh, I never forget this kid while he was here in Europe with his brother, big brother that is racing now with a smaller bike. But it's <laughs> quite incredible. I mean, for what, we used to in Europe, you know, uh, when you get older, you get on the on, on the big bike. But this kid is still a kid. I remember him riding on the 85. It was already great to see. And I, I said always, I say always the same thing. I know I'm probably boring, but his father told me and told everyone, the, the small one, Jet, will surprise everyone one day because everyone was looking at the big brother, you know, saying, oh, that's so good, so good. And every time I saw him winning, like every time I saw someone like Dylan Ferrandis or Tom Vial doing well, I'm just proud about. First of all, because they're not American. And when you yeah. succeed in America, when you're not American, 
that's sort of something great. Not because I don't have nothing against Americans. Eh? Don't don't misunderstand me. But it's so difficult. That's why I'm proud about. And even if he's or, uh, from uh, Australia, not from Europe, there is something from Europe in his riding style because he went in Europe while he was really a, a child almost, and it was he, he was teached by he by by European here. He was. Uh, uh, a former rider here and he grew up so much here um and going back going down to the us i think he has already a lot a lot a lot of experience to spend there what says a lot about uh, the level of our riding in europe in motocross we cannot compare of course uh, these kind of skills in supercross but that's normal because most of the riders uh, out here, they don't do Supercross or they do just for fun sometimes, but they don't born in Supercross. They're born in motocross. They do motocross all their life. And when they go there, you can see that there is something more, even uh, even in situations that are not easy because when you don't know the tracks, you go there and you have only 15 minutes per practice. Mm. And in this, those 15 minutes, you can do maximum two, three laps, two, three good laps, you know, not more. But it's not easy to get used to the track. We saw it with uh, with Tom Vial that uh, uh, struggled so much during the practice. He was 16th and he wasn't able to, 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 to put together a good lap. And I saw the same with, with Tony last year, the first attempt in uh, um, in Pala. It was good enough, but but not that good as he could be. Uh, with with some longer practice, but uh, yeah, I think we saw something amazing. We saw something completely new. I don't know if uh, in America, in uh, national uh, in motocross, they ever had someone coming from the two fifty and doing so well at the first attempt in with the four fifty. So it was something honestly exciting, really great. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was so impressive. Obviously, he just he makes it look so easy too because his style is yeah. so balanced and the way he leans yeah. on the bike and the body position, the little adjustments. It's it's so impressive and um just to, yeah talking to Rodriguez the other day and he was just saying it's it's incredible just seeing someone like that in their first yeah. race just just do it so easy and just like it's not just the fact that he makes it look so classy by hopping the bumps and just doing just doing everything so efficiently. It's just. The, the momentum yeah. he carries into corners too, which is something Sexton does so well. And and that second um, yeah. race battle was incredible, mate. And um, did you think yeah. um, Sexton was going to get him at any point or did you think he was pretty comfortable out front, mate? Honestly, I was expecting that uh, that he will he will be able to to get him because uh, of the experience, of course, because of the skills he has in motocross, because of uh, the way he loves Pala, of course, we know now that yeah. Jet loves Pala probably more because yeah. he won at every attempt on that track since 2020. The first he won five times with the with the 250, and now one time with the with the 450. But he won every time he put his wheel on that track. What is not normal, honestly, absolutely not normal, and. Uh, yeah, when 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 we we talk about riders like that, we we talk about just honestly unique jewels, you know, diamonds that you find once every I don't know twenty, thirty years. Uh, that's uh, and I'm all every time it happens, I'm just so grateful that I'm there watching watching those those guys 
he probably don't remember me at all. I don't know if maybe Hunter, because we were talking more, I did interview with him and, and his father too. But that's not the point. The point is that I'm just proud that I saw him riding when he was a child. And now I, I look from far away what he's doing now. And even last year with the 250, it, it was amazing. It was really amazing to to watch him live doing his job with this with his little bike. Yeah, it's incredible. Like the you, you hear him speak, and he's obviously um, still like very much a, a, a young man, like a kid almost. He's just like a playful, happy, uh, yeah. just, you know, nothing yeah. too serious. And you see him on a bike, yeah. and it's like, well, that's a grown man. It's it's amazing the contrast between them you see you know you see some guys are, are super serious and they're really really loose on the bike whereas he's like quite you know not so serious as a person no. but once he's got like as we, as we say in soccer or or team sports the white line fever it's it's amazing how he can just switch into you know like a like an adult really with his riding um, yeah you see obviously yeah. you saw signs of that uh the riding skills in europe but um it's still quite you don't see many people like that do you no no, no, honestly, honestly, I, I saw only few during my entire career. And uh, I'm talking about just 20 years, not not that much compared to many of my, of my colleagues that are there since more. But, but when I was watching, you know, Stefan Evers doing his job, it was incredible. But he was already a legend. He was on the end of his career. I saw him winning titles in, from, I mean, from the track, from there, live, I saw it when, 2003 2004 no 2004 2005 2006 three titles out of 10 so it was just the end of the career and it was so dominating but yeah it was of course happy but it was it wasn't that fresh you know uh i saw tony doing stuff incredible stuff i saw jeffrey winning his first race in 2010 and now winning his 102nd race I, it's difficult to say even for me <laughs> i saw jorge doing incredible stuff while he was so young and he was winning at every time he was uh, doing the first race in that category it's just in mxgp he didn't make it but uh, i i saw him riding at incredible level since the first attempt while he was still riding in the european class and i saw of course team geyser or a rider like that but with that kind of freshness you know of uh, uh it reminds me a little bit uh from far away uh what what i saw with with ken rocks and when he started winning with marvin muscan with uh, uh really kids that were impressive and then they they, they flew over to to us and uh, and we miss them a lot still because imagine to have in those past 10 years uh, on track, riders like Muscan, like Ken Roxon, like Dylan Ferrandis, like mixed with uh, Clement on the Sal, with Roman Fevre, Tony Cairoli, Jeffrey Erling, Steam Geyser, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, you have to wait every time the Grand Prix of the Nation to see them back together. And they never all, because many riders like Roxon, like Muscan, they, they don't do uh, so often the Nations. So it's a shame because uh, I think that this kind of... Uh, mix in between United States riders on different nationalities and European riders. It's honestly something that uh, brings the sport to a kind of Olympic Games or Super League level. Uh, I would like one day and I, I don't want to say too much, but I think that they are working on something like that for the future to mix together 
the very best of the European riders uh, in MXGP and MX2 with the very best of the motocross and supercross rider. I know I was talking uh, with, with David Luongo and uh, and I have the confirmation that something is moving just to do this one day. It's not for tomorrow, of course, but yeah. it would be honestly something incredible for us, for the fans of the sport to see what we will see this year would be something just for the Americans, you know, the super motocross. But it would be so nice to see everybody, all the best, mix it together to do just one race. And it's not just the, the matter of who's the best. Yeah. Europe, America, Australia. It's not this. It's just exciting to see all those incredible talents riding together. That would be, it's a dream, but we'll see. Yeah, it'll be exciting for the fans, exciting for the riders, and just exciting for the sport in general. Um, you can put together a pretty nice TV deal for that, mate, and and obviously yeah. like yeah, any any exposure for that is is awesome. But yeah, like you're saying with Jet, he's he's a, he's a pretty complete package, sort of on and off the yeah. bike. Whereas um, obviously we'll move on to Ferrandis now, as he's very much a animal on the bike, and he's not so much into you know the outside media stuff. He he sort of likes to do his yeah. own thing. Um. Uh, yeah, getting third overall is is a fine result for him. Obviously, he's he's had plenty of issues, uh, injuries and and concussions and things this year. And and he was saying he's just not that comfortable on the new Yamaha, which is something that yeah. many people have been saying the opposite. Obviously, um, Philandron, for example, in MXGP loves it. Uh, the yeah. the Yamaha guys, the factory Yamaha guys, are pretty happy with it, even though they're still working on it. And you look at Dean Ferris in Australia and Tanti and Clout in our series on the Yamahas doing so well. So. Um, yeah, what your thoughts on Ferrandis' weekend? It was just good to see him back out there because he's been injured so much since that 2021 win, hasn't he? Yeah, I'm, when when I'm thinking about uh, about him, uh, I always think about the kid that was uh, uh, riding in MX2 in uh, in Europe, uh, doing some incredible races, but honestly, he didn't succeed so much in Europe. He was injured often, and uh, he never find probably that kind of uh, mood that you need to win to win a championship. He was never really a title contender. He got some really, really strong uh, competitors at that time. And when he went to US, I think the common uh, sentiment in uh, in the paddock was, yeah, he would go there and wow. It, I don't think he would do so good. And then uh, he surprised everyone, as at the moment, uh, you know that the French riders are really special for, for America, for Supercross, for National. If we just say now a few of the names that, that went there, starting from Jean-Michel Bail, Michael Pichon, Sébastien Tortelli, uh, you have uh, Marvin Muscan, Roncada, yeah. yeah, or you have many so good... Villemin, uh, I mean, yeah, Porcel, you, you know, Porcel, you, you had so many good names, you know, from France, just from France. And I think 95% of the good riders coming from Europe to US, they are French or they were French. Uh, so I, and everyone will say, okay, Francis would just go there for, yeah, making a couple of seasons and then get injured for sure because, and then he's the most winning. French rider, I mean, European rider in America. He won so much in Supercross and in outdoor. It's honestly incredible. And while he won in, uh, in at the National with the 450 or the 250, he was quite dominating his seasons. 
and uh, he found out what he needs. You know, probably that the team fits him perfectly. The bike before was fitting him perfectly, and everything. Probably lifestyle, training, everything. And it's such a he has changed a lot. He always have been someone not really keen with media with, uh, but if you know him. From closer, like I know some of my colleagues, French colleagues like Pascal Odiger know him much better. It's not that bad guy that he wants to to show, you know, maybe that he's a little bit the bad guy. It's it's quite a good person, honestly, doing his good life, his good training, his good work. Uh, many people were saying in Europe that he was lazy, he wasn't training so much. But, but I don't think he's like that. I think he's just a good guy doing his job really good. And I was really sorry for him that he got uh, injured in that bad way at the beginning of the Supercross season and he wasn't able to come back. He Then he struggled so much to come back. And I think even if he didn't show on the podium that he was so happy, he was the happiest of the three, even maybe more than Jet Lawrence, because for him, it was just the confirmation he needed. He is back. Okay. Many riders are not there. Many riders are not competing this year in national for injuries or stuff like that. But still, the level of the top riders is good. And he was able to be there, to be on the podium. And I think it's not, the, it will be just, it will do better from now on. It was just the first step. And he climbed this first step very well. And now he has few more to do before he gets for a victory. Because I think the level of the first two, what they showed in lap times and uh, uh, rhythm of the race, uh, and it was a little bit different. It was uh, much quicker. But still, I think that uh, he can progress during the season if he don't put pressure on himself and be on the podium really often and and then maybe at the end of the season coming back for the victories and uh, and it would be nice honestly to see him I hope he can solve the problem with the bike soon if he has some trouble with the bikes and uh, with the bike and and try to be really back on the top because he he deserve and it's it's not it's so young at the moment you no. Know? Mm. But he's not yet old, you know. He has a few more years in front, and uh, it, the package should be really good for him. So, I'm 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 really looking forward to to see him uh, doing better at the during the season. Yeah, it's good to just get him through unscathed. Obviously, you can get some confidence and sort of build on the track. Was very nasty too. That track was brutal, yes. um, especially by the end of that yeah. end of the day. So to get him through that, and just if we can see him get to those 2021 levels, obviously, where it was become accustomed to see him just charging through the pack and, and just beating all those heavy hitters. But it's going to be so important for him to get starts this year with yes. those two because they're both very good out of the gate. So um, look forward to hopefully him getting to the level of battling and obviously to keep the Euro sort of focus going, we have to, to give some uh, words to the to the Wildcat races. Uh, Boutron and Lucercio, mate, obviously. Um, yeah. Lucercio did a lot of the heavy lifting with that team from from what I'm hearing. And um, obviously they're using their contacts with the JD Gunnix crew from, from yeah. MXGP days and yeah, getting sponsors from, from Venezuela, from Spain, from, from all over, just doing what they can to keep the program alive and going. And yeah, I spoke to Rodriguez, who obviously is Venezuelan and he knows those two guys really well. And and he, he was at the race saying, it was just cool. He would, he, he said he went to the, 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 the pit area and gave them some, so a little bit of advice on um some some things to change with the bike and some settings because he's he loves all that stuff and yeah the results were pretty incredible even though the 450 class is uh a bit decimated mate but uh yeah Boutron and Lucercio <laughs> eighth and ninth overall how cool was that? 
yeah it was really cool honestly absolutely i didn't expect uh a wrestle like that because uh, uh i mean we we didn't saw we didn't see butron racing uh in mxgp since a while as he was doing the european championship uh uh, and we we didn't saw so much from Locurcio uh, because it was always uh, really really in the back. Uh, um, sometime probably getting into the top twenty, but it was quite difficult for him. The the, the situation here in Europe. Uh, um, I have to say that last year I went to Pala for the first time, uh, the first race of the year of the season, and I was first of all impressed because this track is something that you you never you will never see something even just similar in Europe I don't know in Australia but it's so big it's so wide so long you know when when we arrive to a track the first thing that we do is just a track walk even if you are a photographer if you are a rider whatever you are if you're a journalist you you take a lap that was not possible <laughs> too long too hot out there and it was just I was like, oh my god, I'm lost. What I'm doing here? I need a I don't know a car. I need a bike. I need something to do it because it's incredible big. And the uphills or even the jumps, there's one big jump at the beginning of the track that is so high that when you are under the jump and you want to take pictures, you you <laughs> you, you look at the riders on the top and they look like so small, like satellites, you know, and you say, what is this? And when they go uphill, it's like they climb a mountain, not a jump. And it's amazing. Okay, America in America, everything is big, big, bigger. <laughs> everything has to be bigger, you know? And okay, but you don't expect this. When you when you go there and you and you see live what it is, it's impressive. So uh, many say that it's much better than Europe. Europeans sometimes said that, no, it's much better than Europe. I don't know what is better. I know that when you saw them riding there, it looks really good because track is wide, track is many lines, and you can really uh, use your skills to do, to do well. Uh, when they come here, they feel probably that the tracks are smaller, too small. Uh, the corners are too tight. Uh, the roads are too deep. I don't know. It's uh, They cannot express the potential speed and power of the bikes. I was talking with Jeremy Sewer uh, about uh, the track in, uh, in Switzerland. And I said, sometimes it's difficult to just manage the throttle on a track where you cannot really go wide open when you go to Glen Ellen when you go to Pala you go wide open for 50% of the time you know and you put like your fourth gear and you go wide open there are tracks in Europe where you don't put like some time like Switzerland was difficult to put the third gear yeah. because of the, of, of the nature of the track but I like both sides I was both sides of the, the ocean and I like both um, that is a little bit more quick. Everything is going so, so fast. Start in the morning, uh, middle of the afternoon, everything is finished. Uh, like 6.30, the press room closed and bye-bye, everyone is gone. Uh, here is a little bit different. Uh, and I appreciate more the time we spend on track, we spend in the media center. But it works there, it works here. That's uh, just a question of uh, habit, I think. Yeah, no, it's, it's a pretty cool place. And obviously we're talking about, you know, that class that was 
you know, not what it usually is, but we should get some guys coming back soon, like Barsha and Anderson, which would just be great. But um, yeah, just yeah. a quick touch on um, obviously Vial and Fares, obviously pretty impressive efforts. Didn't look like it was going to go Vial's way early, like you mentioned, but yeah, Fares is uh, yeah, he's impressive, isn't he? He keeps you've been yeah. hearing um how good he's going, and um Ben and I at MX Vice spoke to Styles Robertson and Levi Kitchen in the last couple of months, and they were like the stuff he does on a bike. Uh, it's something yeah. else. like he's a special little talent and um it's good to see him doing well and it's kind of um you know that star yamaha they've obviously placed a lot of faith in him and he's definitely vindicating their decision to give him a chance isn't he yes yes absolutely um coming to the going to the european talents uh, uh, i have to say that uh from Vial is what I am expecting this year because uh, the national is uh, where he can express better his talent, his skills. The only obstacle at the moment for his first season will be just the fact that he has to learn all those tracks in those 15 minutes practice. They cannot do nothing more than 15-15 and it's not easy. Uh, he will learn during the race probably and I'm pretty sure that if nothing wrong happen nothing strange happen we will see almost every time a better performance in the second moto while it will be much more uh, uh at ease with the track and uh, know much better where to go where to pass how to do it this kid it's incredibly smart it's not just a fast guy is not just uh is is really smart it's good enough to understand, to look, and to just learn from what he see from the riders around him, in front, behind, and and just uh, grow lap per lap and doing better at the end of the second moto. So I'm expecting uh, soon a podium. Uh, this time wasn't a podium. First moto was really difficult. Was really tricky. Mm. Qualifying the practice were a nightmare for him. I think he, he, if I'm not wrong, he finished 16th or something like that in the practice, and it was I think a, quite a nightmare. Then they made few adjustments on the bike. Uh, the bike is doing very well, as we saw. Also, Max Voland he was uh, around there uh, fighting for for top five positions, and he was even leading the race. Since a while, that wasn't happened. Um, but of course, to get there to to beat uh, Hunter Lawrence uh, would be not easy this year. Uh, and also the the uh, Star Racing Yamaha are really good. RJM Shy would doing pretty well. Uh, it was amazing. Second motor crash three times, and he was always able to come back, top back, top ten again, and and going for the podium. First motor was was really good. Wasn't that good for a. Uh, for uh, for Hunter that uh, he didn't had a good start and he, and he made few mistakes, but RJ was there and he was able to to take the victory in the first moto. And uh, to me, Digan is at the moment uh, the the most uh, the most interesting kid out there, uh, ready to do well and ready to uh, just uh, make the next step to fight for the championship uh, in Supercross next year. Maybe already this year in uh, at the national, uh, but it would be tough, of course, because uh, uh, the the level of the experience of Hunter is really really good. Uh, another one that was really good, uh, uh, as you said, uh, is Guillaume Fares, uh, but less impressive than last year. Uh, I want I want just to say the last year just arrived there 
it was nobody there, nobody knew him, and he was able immediately to to score a Real Madrid. I don't know, top six or top, yeah. top seven, something like that. So everyone now is expecting more, of course, one year after from him. But still, to be in the top ten of this class where there are less injuries than uh, uh, than in four fifty, mm. it's really good. Uh, probably their experience, the experience of the youngest uh, in motocross is way, way uh, lower than the experience they have the big boys. Because the big boys, they they were also a little bit different in the way they start their career. Now you start really young immediately with Supercross and you get specialized just because the money are there. Yeah. Money are in Supercross, so you you go for this when you have to pick a choice. What you do, Supercross, Motocross. Of course, they do both, but they get specialized more in Supercross uh, and not the opposite. Uh, before it was a bit different. Motocross still was the base, and then they were growing their skills in Supercross. So in the main class uh, is a little bit different. In the youngest class, you you can do the difference. Unfortunately, we didn't saw, we could not saw uh, Max Anstey uh, fighting there uh, because this will be a nice game. With yeah. that Honda, uh, yeah. where he was, was performing so good in, in the Supercross season, I just wanted to see him in, in the middle there, you know, just fighting for a podium. And I'm pretty sure he could do it. Easy is never easy, but he could yeah. do it. So. It's a bit of shame, but uh, decision are decision, choices are choices, and uh, uh, it's like it is. Yeah, he's loving the Supercross only, mate, and he'll be uh, yeah, doing the World yes. Supercross, American Supercross, and uh, Australian Supercross as well, which he yes. won last year. And but yeah, you look at um, that class; it's so much talent. Obviously, we've we've touched on all those guys, and even Cooper and Boland had pretty impressive yeah. days. Shimoda on another day yeah. he's done a lot better. But if we're talking about Fares and just the guys, he just beaten in that round when he, he could have arguably done even better with starts. Um, you know, he's ahead yeah. of Kitchen, Mumford, Ryder D, Hymas, Smith, Reynolds, Moserman, Marchbanks, Jeremy Martin, Braswell, <laughs> Hawkins, Swole, Breeze, you know, Kilroy, Schwartz. Like it's it's ridiculous. Those guys are in the twenties on the stage <laughs> yeah. the end. Like that class is gonna give so much, so much great racing and entertainment. But um do you think do you think it's between um Lawrence and, and Cooper and Shimoda, or do you see Deegan and Hampshire throwing it in there? Obviously, yeah, RJ is a bit like Ruben Fernandez of old, uh, yeah, fast, but he yeah. sort of has his spills and he's just wide open on the limit. So fun to watch. But yeah, who, who do you think sort of shaping up as the, the top contenders? Uh, honestly, I'm waiting to see Joe Shimoda on the top of his conditions because he's not yet there and uh, because he, he he had a few crashes, few few mistakes. Otherwise, he could fight already for a podium, I'm pretty sure. Uh, don't forget, he was uh, the title contender last year. He was, uh, he was the one in the middle of the Lawrence brothers and uh, he has grown so much, but he's coming back from an injury and it's never easy. And uh, find back this uh, kind of uh, rhythm and speed is not easy. Just to to keep focused uh, for the old moto and uh, and doing well. But I'm pretty sure, honestly, that uh, I mean, pretty sure. I think that uh, the fight for the title would be in, it would be in between Hunter Lawrence, Aiden Deegan, and yeah, I would put there also Joe Shimoda because it's uh, it's so good. Uh, RJ, I was expect honestly to see him riding the 450. Me was ready to ride it the 450, also due to the fact that uh, uh, Oscarna doesn't have so many riders in 450, and the class with those injuries was quite open to good results. 
uh, it could be the, the good year, you know, the good season just to put him there and take maybe another young rider in 250. And uh, he did well. He did well with the 450 in Supercross. So to me, yeah. it's much more difficult to, to ride good the four, in the 450 class in Supercross than in National. So probably this could be an option for him. Uh, also because he, he was just looking well and, and uh, he, he showed that he's ready to, to do this move. But, do you think, uh, um, just quickly, Lorenzo, do you think with um, Jet uh, moving out of that class, everyone's like, it's my time now. It's like, he, obviously, Jet's won like the last four titles uh, in, yeah. in, 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 that he's done in 250. So they're probably all rubbing yes. their hands together saying, let's, let's go. And yeah. you know that RJ wants that nation spot. So he's going to be doing all yeah. he can to be the best American because... You know, the 450s, yes. uh, you know, there's plenty that's there's probably more talent available, no doubt. So yes. it'll be that's reckon yes. that's in his thinking for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's probably probably was that that was the reason also because it's a good opportunity for everyone to to try to to get this title. If you look last year was Joe the contender of uh, of the Hunter uh, the, the the Lawrence brother. Uh so yeah, it could be it could be this the reason to just you know try the good season. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool, mate. And obviously, in moving to Europe now, and um, the MX2 class, the 250 class, there is, uh, it's going to be awesome. And obviously, yeah, they're doing the great job of, uh, you know, the series is going to be alive now with the tragedy what happened to Iago. Even though he's still winning the championship, he's going to be a, you know, probably still a month away at best. But um, I just want to give a shout out to you, mate. Great job on the Behind the Gate series. Uh, the documentaries (laughs) that MXGP are doing. It's cool to see your your insights in there, mate. And um. Yeah, we like that. And um, obviously, Italian guy, Adamo, he, he's going to be right up there now. He looks like he's had a bit of a mentality shift uh, when he spoke to James. Yes. He said, I want the red plate now. Um, you know, I'm done with the cons- – he's obviously going to keep the consistency, keep wants the podiums, but he's keen. He's, he's, he's on title focus mode now, not just sort of yeah. week by week. It's um, interesting to see that. And obviously, Kai DeWolfs, he's primed for a, for a big assault. He's primed for his first GP win, which um, – I reckon he'll probably quite like Latvia, suited style, flowy, fast, yes. hanging it out. Um, it'll be a fascinating round. And then you've got Beniston as well. Um, you never know what yeah. you're going to get with, from him this year. It's been a bit in, inconsistent and unpredictable, but when he's on, you, it shows what he can do, can't he? Yes. Um, we had two Kegums. Kegums is a, it's a special place. It's a special track. Uh, it's sandy, but it's a really special sand. Uh, more close to Mantova, of course, than to Lommel or to um, some uh, Finnish track or places like that. Absolutely nothing to do with yeah. uh, Riola, for example, where the sand is deep, the sand is heavy. Uh, the sand there can be just a couple of centimeters of soft uh, sand, soft ground, soft dirt on top of some kind of concrete. So yeah. uh, it's a tricky track because uh, uh, it's full of places where you can make mistakes. Uh, it's a really uh, um, a track that is at some places that are really fast. Uh, now, less than before. Before, there were some sections that were brutal in, in speed. and uh, But it's a track where uh, your skills are really important. Your abilities, your technique is really important. Uh, I saw almost every rider doing mistakes there. Uh, don't forget that Jeffrey Erlings get injured there during a sighting lap that we never saw again, and I hope we will never see something like that. Tony Cairoli, two times getting injured there 
in 2014 during the motocross of the nation the last time we saw Cairoli on the 250 racing while the federation asked him to switch on mx2 class uh, to try to do a good result and that race was so exciting because tony was on fire while he crashed he was the fastest on track he was recovering from a bad start and he was flying then he got uh, a huge crash and he was injured what probably compromised the next season the 2015 uh and then the season that was ended with uh, with uh, another injury and tony had a really huge injury uh during uh his 2021 season while he broke uh the shoulder the ligaments and everything was was one of the worst crash in his life while he was trying to recover uh points uh from team geyser team geyser that had also terrible races in uh, uh in kegums uh, horrible crashes and losing points so everyone had his glory and everyone had his bad time in uh in kegums as is an unpredictable track i, I was know... gonna say in 2021 lorenzo i remember the the moto one i was just watching it back recently and uh caroli put some nice moves on prado he really let him let him have it there, didn't he? You remember that one fondly? <laughs> yes, I remember that race, and it was a nice fight. Even if it was yes, quite uh, heavy uh, on, on some on some stuff. Quite, uh, but uh, but it's, 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 as I said, it's an unpredictable track. If I have to to pick up some some good riders for uh, for the weekend, of course. Mr. Uh, 102 victories is uh, the favorite in uh, MXGP. Unfortunately for uh, the 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 home rider, uh, the the yeah. former world champion Paul Jonas is not there. While he was, uh, he had an operation on his thumb, and uh, this track is a nightmare for him as he never won. Even in his best years, he never was able to to win. Uh, one GP there and it's something that I think he really missed and I don't know if he will have the chance in future to, to do it and if I have to pick someone uh, really good I mean of course Prado Prado can do pretty pretty well there but uh, to do well uh, you need a good start of course and Kegums uh, has to me the worst start of uh, the season as there is always something happening at this start, uh, is uh, almost 360, really tight, uh, and there is always someone that uh, is ending his uh, race on the ground uh, the first uh, the first corner. But if I have to pick someone uh, in uh, mix two, I would say Kaida Wolf, uh, while it's it's such a good rider, so technical rider that if he don't do so many mistakes, uh, he he will do very well. For Andrea. It's not the easiest race that uh, he knows for sure, uh, but it's probably the worst moment of the season to to come to a race like that because it's the most delicate moment in his uh, season. If he succeed or if he gain the red plate and he gain points on uh, Kaido Wolf, this will be huge for uh, his mentality, for his moral, and for the one of the his adversaries. If not, uh, it, okay, it's it's okay because Kegums is not his favorite track and he's is a tough track for his skills but it's a delicate moment because he don't need to go over because you want too much but he don't need to to sit down and say okay i will just keep 
uh, my rhythm and don't force at all because so it's uh, it's quite tricky and uh, really interesting to see what will happen in the first uh, part of uh, of the class mm, we saw the uh, the guy who won the last moto in in France Lucas Cohen and we can expect good races for him we can expect a really good race also from Ron van der Mosdijk uh, who is a huge talented guy that is coming out uh, step by step from a difficult moment uh, that he has he had at the beginning of the season because don't forget that when you are three riders uh, in the team you are the most experienced uh, and the other two are just beating you uh, every time you go on track it's not easy to manage with, you know. But I know Rasmus, uh, the, the team manager, is really good on managing this. So I'm pretty sure that he will uh, find a way to help Rowan to be, again, as he's showing, competitive there on top. Yeah, and, and then... you think, um, just quickly, we were speaking to Brent uh, Van Donning just before, and he believes that, yeah, obviously, you said the track is very very good insight there, mate, on the, on the, the yes. technical nature and how you need to be you have to just mix power and finesse. You have to, you know, you know, be precise, but also have to have a, a bit of a balls out, uh, as Mitch Evans was saying to James, that, that mentality as well. And, you know, Brent yeah. said Liam Evans, watch out for him there because he's he's got the oldest skill in the world, the technique, and things are going well for him. Um, obviously, yes. he did well in France and Trentino. Loving the battles he's having with Adamo, so it'd be good to see him resume that, wouldn't it, this weekend? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, that he can do very, very well. Um, Liam, uh, he had uh, not so nice races there in Kegums in past. I remember probably was uh, riding the 1-5 to European Championship uh, while uh, he did a huge crash and he wasn't able to do second moto and he went, they, they went back home uh, on Sunday morning or Saturday evening, I don't remember. But uh, he's another rider that can do pretty well uh, out there also because there is something that has changed in his mind you know that uh, have switched uh, since the beginning of the season uh, maybe I don't know I'm just trying to find uh, ideas and maybe it was just you know uh, don't believe too much on himself or don't believe he could be there fighting for those top places now we know that he can and he do very well and uh, and he's there often. He was able to be on the podium already two times on the podium of the World Championship, and that's I think gives you a lot of confidence. And uh, but the good one, not the confidence uh, that then let you make mistakes. The good confidence that let you start the weekend in a good way, in a good mood, and that allow you to just be there and believe uh, in yourself without thinking too much. Yeah, well said. Someone like a Roman Fevre, obviously, um, you know, 2021, he, he obviously did well, quite well. They obviously didn't get the results, but the speed is immense. Just anywhere, he's a complete package. Obviously, won Lommel that year as well. Um, yeah, he's he's an animal on any surface. And I reckon he's one that doesn't mind hanging it out. And he's just like, he'll have a fierce battle with anyone. So it'll be good to see how he goes this week. And mate, you're expecting big things from him after that great return to form in France after the Spain disaster. Yeah, I think I think you can expect uh, at every race, as you said, uh, as you well said, that you can expect at every race a good race from him as is performing well everywhere. If someone told me in 2021 at the beginning of the season that Roman Fevre will won in Lommel, I would just say to this guy, you're crazy. <laughs> it will never happen. Something like that will never happen just. Uh, and not because uh, I'm at this, because this track is special and I 
I wasn't believing that he could do something like that. We saw him also riding this year in Riola very well, considering where he was with training, where he was after his operation and uh, how the season started. To me, he did a fantastic race also there in uh, in Riola, fighting. Uh, mm. If we have to pick a word for Roman Febvre, he's a fighter. He's not uh, uh, the most, uh, uh, I don't want to say kind, but uh, uh, he's not the, the most uh, funny people I know in the battle. <laughs> but to succeed, you probably uh, will need more to be, as you said, an animal or a fighter more than uh, a funny guy. So he has all he needs to be in front. He has a fantastic, yeah, fantastic bike. He has a very good team, a fantastic team manager. I think also the connection with Kevin Stribos is doing, uh, is going pretty well. Uh, good advices and uh, the team is calm. It's pretty calm. That's kind of Finnish or Scandinavian atmosphere under the, we call the aquarium uh, because uh, uh, they don't use the tent. They use those kind of big aquariums where they swim all. Uh, <laughs> he has what what he need. He, he have everything he needs. You know, a good bike, good team. There is this kind of uh, Scandinavian atmosphere. Everyone is really cool doing his job, and there's no pressure on him. But uh, uh, nobody is getting too much excited, or nobody is getting uh, too down when uh, stuff are not uh, going as as is planned. So. You can expect everything uh, from him also in Kegums. Just be aware from the injuries because Kegums is a tricky place. Uh, we had many huge and nasty crashes in the past. Don't forget that the rider like uh, Olson, uh, that was a really good rider, uh, even uh, more a, bad, a good person, uh, uh, but he was a really good rider. He finished his career on that uh, track because uh, during the motos, uh, the track is getting really sketchy really sketchy um, you have many lines you have one to five riders 250 riders you have mx2 you have mx gp many lines many routes and uh, really square edged bumps you know where you can uh, lose your traction really quick or your front wheel very very, very fast uh, and when you are going into some places really fast is easy to make a mistake and to crash heavy because underneath the track is really really hard and i saw Paul's jonas doing really huge crashes i saw many as i said all the top riders adding their bad days and their good days on that track uh, i my first time there i think was in 2009 probably the first time we went there for racing and I remember it was a British team, CAS Honda, uh, with uh, one really young Russian guy that was performing so well. It was named Bobrishev, Evgeny Bobrishev. And I, I get in love with this with this kid at that time. And then he grew and he went into the team I was working with. And together we won in Toshental. But this is for the next GP. I have plenty of... Uh, nice uh, <laughs> memories yeah. from uh, Deutschenthal, the track of the double victories. I just say this, uh, then we will talk more on the next uh, appointment that we, we have. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about Jessaconis' uh, moto win there. Were you there for that one? That was a pretty awesome um, pretty awesome day yes. for him, wasn't it? Yes, I was there and uh, you know, this this team and this, uh, I was even not working for them, but at that time I was working for AXO. 
the brand, the clothing, uh, and and uh, they did they made a deal with uh, Stefan Everts uh, for uh, for the Suzuki team. And Jasikoni uh, Sarminas was just you know coming up from nowhere. Nobody knew him uh, while. Uh, uh, Stefan had this idea to pick him uh, to to MXGP. Nobody knew him. I think they went away from Latvia with the van and uh, the family going to UK, try to find a place where to ride a deal or whatever. He did good, but not so good. Then they moved in Belgium as they understood that Belgium was the place where it was possible to grow and to get opportunities. And they found out uh, uh, the good, the good chance, and this guy had good opportunities, of course, because he was factory rider with Suzuki, the last factory Suzuki in the World Championship. Then he was factory Uskwarna rider, and unfortunately, that horrible crash in Mantova mm -hmm. took him uh, uh, also a huge part of his career off. Because uh, after something like that, it's difficult to to come back. He, I'm really happy to see him when I met him on track, when I saw him riding like he was in, in France and in other GPs, because he's always a pleasure. He's a funny guy. It's, uh, it, I don't know, uh, it's it's a special person. Honestly. He loves the and dogs I'm... too, mate. Loves the little puppies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's really just a nice person. And it's really nice to, to have guys like that on track. I hope he can come back on a, on a better level as his skills are still really, really good. And uh, I hope for him all the best. But though this day, see him winning, it was something special. And uh, yeah, little goosebumps. Oh, yeah, mate. It's awesome. And how, how do you think your Italian uh, mates will go? Obviously, Ferrato, he had that big one. And obviously, Guadagnini's out. But um, yeah, just your Lupino is probably not his favorite surface. But you, <laughs> you're expecting uh, <laughs> the Italians to just happy, happy to move on to Tushintal? <laughs> yes, yeah, I think that all the Italians, I mean, the ones that, that are riding, uh, would be happy to to switch directly to to Germany, like uh, switching out uh, uh, the race in in Kegums. But still, Alberto can do very well uh, because Alberto is another guy that is a fighter, is an animal, and I think he has something to to say in um, in Kegums. He can do well, even if he's not probably his favorite track, but he can do pretty well. Um, for what concerns Alessandro, I just hope for him that Germany comes soon because it's a track that he loves and is much better for him than Kegums. It's not Riola, it's not Lommel, so still he can do quite good, but uh, yeah. but it's not, uh, of course, he's not uh, like Toshental. Yeah, just a couple more guys. Um, we'll be looking for obviously Bogers was uh, suffering from an illness and still got 10th overall in France. He'll be looking to sort of just to work his way back and get some good results. Get some positivity and Brent Van Donick, I reckon, could do extremely well there too. Um, yeah, all goes to plan, gets the start, the bike, uh, no issues. Um, yeah, I'll be looking forward to the, those couple of guys. Anyone else, maybe Oslin could, could, um, sort ah, of honestly, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking to see uh, a good race from uh, Calvin Blanderen, uh, as uh, with this Yamaha is six in the standings at the moment, the best privateer out there, and uh, he's doing his best season so far, uh, but for sure. Is doing the best races on the worst track uh, for him. So uh, I was impressed uh, during the whole season. Now uh, we are over one third of the season already since yesterday that we were in Argentina. Now already one third of the season is gone. What it means that in few races only we will be at middle way 
to the to the end and uh and so i'm pretty sure that calvin can do pretty pretty well uh bogers this year yeah he was 10th overall in france but i'm a little bit disappointed with his results i mean i was expecting something better but maybe they are struggling a little bit with the bike i don't know what's the issues but for both riders till now has not been the best season so far uh brent uh, can do well Brent can do very well. It's a kind of track that uh, suits him and uh, is a kind of track where he can express his uh, potential uh, also with the bike. Uh, it, I'm really, really curious to see how the top 10 uh, will be, but mostly how the top 20, because then there are many riders that can enter the top 20 and it will be interesting to see uh, who will do good. Probably we can also focus a little bit uh, on uh, Ben Watson uh, if uh, if if uh, everything goes well for him, if bike has no issues, and uh, because he's a good sand rider, even if, as I said, it's not a typical sand track, but still you need good skills in sand, and uh, it's one of the favorite ground for for uh, Ben. Yeah, well said. And um, just yeah, last couple of topics on MXGP. Obviously, Jeremy Sayer will be looking to back up. That incredible win, really impressive performance, great speed, great everything there. And um, Glenn Coldenoff, he's he's sort of been under the radar a little bit the last few rounds, um, but he still had really good speed. He was coming through really nicely in Spain. Um, you can't definitely can't sleep on him. And and another one, Mitch Evans, will probably just be another building weekend for him. I think he's more sort of looking towards Tushintal to to start really picking up those top ten results. Would so you say you agree with that? Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, starting from. Uh... What I consider the the nicest person in the paddock, uh, Mitch, uh, is uh, really um, on a building momentum. He's trying just to to come back on his uh, on his level. I don't know if this year he, he will be again back on that, that level that brings him to win. For example, the qualifying race in Sweden last year, or other uh, moments in past while while he was just doing pretty well. I hope so. I hope so. We need we need more good riders in front, as we have so many injured riders that we need good riders coming back from all the injuries or just trying to find out their way to to the top ten. Uh, for what um, concern uh, Sewer, he can do very well. It's probably not his favorite uh, track, as uh, is uh, is one guy that uh, goes pretty really well for what concerned uh, the hard pack tracks, but. It's now uh, one of the best riders on every track, so we can count on him for the podium, of course, uh, uh, and pick him for the podium alongside with uh, Prado and and Erlings uh, at 100%. I mean, I, I don't expect nothing less. But what concern uh, Holdenoff is really honestly unpredictable because uh, I, I don't know probably nobody that is training harder than him, that is having a perfect athlete life more than him, taking care about everything, every single calorie he hits, everything, single exercise he's doing at the gym, every single moto he do. It's it's really like a kind of scientist of himself, you know. So uh, we can expect everything from him. Sometimes it's disappointing when, when, when you see him not, in the top 10 or not i mean it's not so often that he's not in the top 10 but when he's not fighting for for top results because he always showed during the seasons uh so far till now that he, he always can be there on top i don't want to to say too much of something that i don't know 
<laughs> but we have to consider that maybe it's his last season on the factory bike. Uh, so he also need to show some good results soon. Otherwise, he will need to search for another team, another bike for next season, because normally Iago is coming up into this team. Maxime stays. Jeremy also. And I don't think they will go for four riders now. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, they, you put it well there and you, hit, you just speak to Glenn's professionalism and he, he spoke to James, I believe, was that Riola saying he's kind of had to, with the baby, he's had to move out and sleep in his own room just to get the sleep because it's just so important. It's as important as doing the work, having the sleep. So Yeah, just, um, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm laughing. I don't want to, to, to don't have respect for anybody else. <laughs> As I know Glenn very well, I send him message often, and 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 I this this guy is really uh, one of the most lovely person in the paddock. But uh, it is what I told you. He's a kind of scientist of himself, of his condition, of his body, of his riding, of everything. He's really precise people. If I have to compare with someone in MotoGP, I would say probably some someone like Dovizioso. You know, really taking care about every single stuff. And when I compare this to someone that I know very well, like Tony Cairoli, who doesn't care about anything. Or you can find him on Saturday night, uh, not having a drink, but like having fun with the others. And then while he had his baby with Jill, uh, the baby was crying in the night. Doesn't matter. I mean, it's, uh, but it's a kind of attitude. You know what I mean? For Glenn, it's important that everything is perfect. And it's not enough to perform well. It's not a guarantee that you perform well, but he needs for himself that everything is perfect. Uh, for other riders, uh, it's not so important that everything is perfect. I saw Tony eating whatever in between the motos, before the motos, on Saturday, on Friday. He, he, he was on Coke uh, and, uh, and Kinder chocolate bars uh, uh, before the races. He was on like half kilo of spaghetti carbonara. He was on everything. <laughs> it was just a matter of having a good day, you know. Uh, and I saw riders begin, like Glenn, began vegan at one time uh, just to try to find out a better performance and a better body, more clean, more performing. Uh, so it's always such, it's really interesting. In in fact, mm. eh? I'm not joking on this. It's, it's really interesting because it's, it's someone that... Uh, it's not just there doing his job uh, and taking the money. It's someone that is really putting himself uh, in a kind of discussion every time to say, okay, what I can do better, what I can do better, where I can just take away this kind of uh, uh, little issue that uh, uh, is breaking me to to get better, you know, to, to go better. So I, and I love this guy, as I, I told you, I knew him since he was in the Carly team. And still, they have a very good relationship. He was one of the most loved riders in the, the Carly team, alongside with uh, Ken Taker or, or other uh, former riders that they, they had a really good relationship with, with the Carly. I remember the day uh, Claudio had to, to told him that in the meeting with KTM, KTM decided to don't renew his contract. The kid, the guy was crying, you know, Glenn was crying to say, please keep me. I, I'm, I love to stay there. Then he, find, he found out a very good deal uh, where he is now in Yamaha, but uh, um, he says a lot about the, the, the friendship that sometimes is getting into team and rider that gets a little bit over what is a normal contract. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Obviously, you have to have a lot of respect for him and just the all-encompassing approach. It's it's pretty impressive. At his age, he's getting old and he's obviously still loving it and still pouring everything he can into it. 
to get those fine margins to get better, mate. So yeah, that was a great little story there, mate. It's uh, it would be great to see him still there, but he's doing he's doing well where he is now too. And just a couple more, just a couple more before we close it out. Um, so BMX, uh, you got the BMX one two five and two fifty classes there. It'll uh, be a cool weekend for the Resilus brothers. Um, obviously home GP for them. They'll be looking for some good results. Um, Bonacorsi will be looking to to continue on his uh, dominance. And you got Kai Carsmakers, Cas Volk. Rossi and Zanke after their extremely yep. uh, excellent performances in France, mate, with the top 10s. Um, the KTM VRT junior squad is on fire at the moment. And yeah, any word on Latter, mate? How's he coming along as well? Yeah, um, Valerio is coming back. He's coming back uh, from uh, an injury that was uh, then much more than what uh, they think in Portugal. As uh, in Portugal, he wanted to ride and he was uh, just fighting to, to have the chance to ride the second moto in spain uh, he had another little issue with the same uh, leg with the same knee so it was uh unfortunately forced to don't race what uh, took him uh, far away from uh from uh, the, the top uh, uh positions of the of the uh, the standings uh, because uh he was just fighting for the second place uh, before uh, uh, Portugal and after Spain, he went down to seventh uh, overall uh, with uh, two motos less than the others. Uh, but Valerio was trying till yesterday. He was riding uh, for the last time uh, here in near Rome. Uh, he had the last training uh, with the team before heading to, to Kegums. And it was quite okay, but he's still not on the top because he was far away from the bike for a long time. But not only this... Is still a little bit unsure when he put his leg down, and uh, uh, this this knee is not yet uh, perfect. So that will be not easy because it's a track where you really need to to be fit at hundred percent to perform well. What I'm expecting very very good at uh, this race for sure is Andrea, who loves the sand. Uh, Bonacorsi is a sand rider, proper sand rider. We saw him winning two motos uh, in uh, Riola also last year while he had a quite difficult season. And uh, he cannot wait to be back on track. I think he was just really biting the the, the handlebar <laughs> during the last training. So you know, get there and uh, and and get out of the gate uh, as soon as possible. Marc Antoine Rossi was astonishing in uh, in France. Uh, uh, would be interesting to see him uh, in in the sand, as we didn't saw that good races in uh, Riola but as I said is a different sand is a different track so it can do pretty well yeah he actually said during the interview I had with him Rossi that he said now now Bonacorsi might you know stand up and take a bit of notice of me more now after what I did in France so it'll be <laughs> yeah. a cool little dynamic to watch to see how they come together yes. on track also because don't forget that in Portugal uh, uh, Rossi was the fastest rider he was doing the best lines and he's not that far uh Portugal from Latvia, not of course in terms of kilometers, as they are probably the two farest GP in Europe, but in terms of kind of track, kind of uh, slippery, kind of soil. Uh, so some things are in, in common. Uh, take care, of course, about uh, the Rezulis uh, brothers in both classes, as they are doing pretty well and they are from there. So they, they know the track very well. Ferruccio can do well, as he can do everywhere. I saw him riding pretty well in places like Alghero in Sardinia, while we had the International Italia with the 1-5. to five. Uh, What is another track that you can somehow compare to, to Kegums? So, mm, he can perform pretty well out there, 
being the top five for sure. The top five is uh, uh, quite easy, and I think we have also to consider uh, Kai Karsamakers in this top five, fighting for the podium as he's a very good rider and he's a Dutch rider, so uh, it's a kind of track that uh, can suit him very well. And just some words on the, the, the comparison between the AMX 250 and MX2. Obviously, that gap's um, getting smaller and smaller, seemingly. Like you, I spoke to McClellan about it. He said it's a great breeding ground for that talent. Yeah. You just look at Zanke and Rossi. But the level's not too far apart. Like Bonacorsi would be right up there, top five, top ten, if he was in MX2, you'd imagine. And you, yeah, it's a, great, it's a great framework, isn't it, for these guys to come through? You're totally right. Uh, you can uh, take the half, the second half of the... Uh, the MX2 class uh, and put them in the EMX250 and they will struggle to be on top. And you can put the first 10 of uh, the EMX250 and put them uh, in the MX2 class and they will fight even for top five sometime, but for sure for top 10. Uh, we saw this in France. We saw this in past also in Arco di Trento or in other tracks while uh, uh, wild cards like... Uh, uh, Rickel Zinga or Andrea Bonacorsi or other or Marc Antoine Rossi or Ferruccio in this last race, uh, they did pretty pretty well. It's always a little bit easier when you are a wild card and you have nothing to lose in that race to perform well. And I think you have this kind of extra motivation that uh, makes you do a little bit better and maybe taking some little risk more because you know that everyone will talk about you. If you perform well in MX2 for your first time, everyone will say, wow. So it's, uh, it's, uh, there is an extra motivation that uh, we have to consider. But the level of the MX2 and the MX2 is getting closer and closer. And this gap is reducing not only in terms of riders, but also in terms of teams. The top teams of the EMX250 are better than probably 80% of the MX2 teams a part of the factory one uh, you take uh, also uh, some team in 125 like GMC that they celebrated uh, 10 years of racing with Yamaha in France they are in, on a level where they compete they can compete easy with their structure and their facilities with the MX2 team a privateer for sure they're better than a privateer already so it's a class both classes are growing very well of course the EMX250 is now on a kind of level where you know that the riders that succeed there are really good and in MX2 for sure. There's no doubt about. Yeah, and obviously in the one two five class, he's Resilus is yeah, he's he's clearly ready for the the step up and uh, Valon and and Werner and Escandel and Marek. Like there's there's fast guys in there too, mate. So it should be a really good weekend of racing, shouldn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, that it will be a, a pretty weekend and that we will see really good races. Uh, Rezulis is for sure the, the favorite rider uh, with like uh, 90% of the possibilities to, to, to get the first step of the podium um, this this uh, Matisse Valland, the, the, the young French rider, is performing better than I expected at the beginning of the season uh, I saw him riding a few times uh, in the French Championship there is nobody that can uh, approach him even two seconds uh, closer to him is not possible, you know. So he's 
really on another level. In the European Championship, he's doing at the moment very well and he's uh, playing a lot on the mistakes of Rezulis because Rezulis is dominating, but then he, he made some mistakes uh, who didn't, for example, allow him to, to win the race in France. Uh, but he was the fastest, that, uh, that's for sure. But in on the long uh, in the long term, you know, this kind of attitude to be always the the, the fastest, the most aggressive, and but you don't win. Uh, it's uh, it's something that that, uh, that can uh, put you in trouble. Uh, Maximilian Werner, uh, I'm waiting for him because uh, it's a it's a very good rider. A few years now that he's doing well uh, in one to five. Uh, consider that the top rider in one to five, there are all uh, quite old. I uh, would say compared to the other really young riders, uh, I will make a comparison in between uh, Rezulis, uh, uh, that is dominating the series, uh, and for example, a rider who went uh, in the top twenty regularly on the in in the uh, practice, but never in the motos, so is like Manofort. This uh, young French rider is still thirteen years old. It's a uh, two thousand nine, and still have to. To do his uh, 14th birthday and he's a kid who is for example he was riding till this winter time with the 85 he was changing the piston of the bike by himself he cook his food he wash his stuff his clothing uh, he iron his stuff is he do everything by himself and uh, he's a super talented kid 13 years old is as the first attempt with one to five First time that he's racing with a one to five, he get qualified at every uh, event. He was in the top twenty almost at every event, but he crashed all, almost every time at the last lap, <laughs> and so he never get points. He was fourth in the free practice in France and sixth in the practice in the in the practice and the second practice in France, and he's always there uh, trying to make the step. Forty two kilos of uh, pure dynamite <laughs> so give forward for this kid because it is someone that if he grows in the right way is the next uh, it's strange to say because we are talking about 16 years old guys but it's the next coin and um yeah. and he's growing really in this kind of way like uh mati uh, matis valin who is also uh pretty pretty good and uh, you can see when you talk with them when you approach them they have different eyes different uh, way to to communicate and uh, those guys are living for the bikes, you know, living for the races. Uh, Mano is uh, is a young kid who is he don't have a telephone, he don't have the mobile telephone. Just to tell you, he has like one old Nokia just to talk with the family when uh, when he's at the team, and uh, and that's all. He doesn't care about the social media, you know. As a friend of him, that would put the post on the social media, but he doesn't <laughs> care. And find a 13 years old today that doesn't care about the social media is something special. And uh, he's training alongside with uh, Guadagnini, Lagenfelder, Prado, Cairoli, uh, growing so fast and just... Uh, at the moment, the only problem is to find a, a good setting for him because he's too light. It's a little bit what is happening with Sasha Koinen, but... Uh, and just time of growing a little bit and find a good uh, setup, and I'm pretty sure that this kid will succeed. Oh, it's awesome! They're getting younger and younger. These talents aren't they? Obviously, we we in Australia have a have a young guy called Caden Minier. He's on a factory <laughs> KTM here in the 250. You probably know him, and yeah, he won the you know he's winning things at 14, 15. I think he's yeah, yeah. on the way to 16. But yeah, he's a he's a special talent. And 
one to keep yes. an eye on for whether he goes to America or or Europe. It's just crazy all these all these kids coming through, mate. And that young Owens from Australia came out to do an EMX two fifty with Bud a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's a, it's really a global sport, and it's really the level's just elevating. You know, sort of season on season, isn't it, mate? It's just exciting times yeah. to be a part of it, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. And uh, um, it was quite a while that we didn't add the uh, so youngest rider um, being so good you know when uh, we talk about Jeffrey Erlings uh, Ken Rocks and uh, we talk about riders uh, who were at the top uh, when they were really kids then but it's something not easy to find even the best riders uh, of the past uh, they didn't succeed so young like Tony Cairoli start being the world championship uh, at 18 years old you take Prado, or he almost switch on MXGP at 18 years old. Yeah. And Smet to it, someone like him. Yeah, and 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 that's uh, that that that's uh, where the riders are a little bit different, you know. So uh, another one that did this, but uh, it didn't happen uh, in the right way, was uh, Alessandro Lupino, as he is one of the youngest coming in MX2 probably. He was world champion with 85, uh, and he jumped immediately almost uh, jumping the, the 1 to 5 class to go to the 250 with the Carly, uh, what probably didn't help him so much. But uh, but it's, one of, it's the oldest rider on track at the moment, but he's only 32 years old. So it's, uh, you know, uh, we have to consider that he's the one that he, he has the most, he's the most experienced guy on track because he started so young. So yeah. it's, uh, it's always amazing when you see young kids like that uh, coming out so well. They have some something extra. That that's all. Yeah, no, well said, mate. And yeah, we'll just wrap it up because we could just talk forever uh, about the sport, mate. But um, yeah, <laughs> yes. just a quick, really, really quick predictions. Um, I'm going to go out there and say we go Fevre yep. and uh, Kaida Wolf this weekend. Who, who you got? I go for uh, easy one. Uh, two Dutch guys, uh, Jeffrey Erlings, <laughs> Kaida Wolf. <laughs> oh no worries mate and thanks thanks again for joining us so i'll just quickly shout out to the sponsors uh for making all this possible fly racing monster energy fox parts europe scott bell helmets achievies asv performance kawasaki uk ktm uk and even strokes for all their incredible support um, we certainly really appreciate it and are so grateful for it and as are we for the listeners and the readers and and everyone for, for listening and tuning in. And thank you as well, Lorenzo, again, mate. And um, the people love the love these podcasts and we'll keep bringing them to them. And, yeah, thanks for your time, mate, and have a great weekend. Thanks, Ed. Thanks a lot. Thanks for your time. Thanks for woke up so early to, to get me on the microphone. And looking forward uh, to do it again after Latvia, while we will have many things to say about that race and about the next one in Germany. No worries. Thanks, mate. Uh, all the best.